You are listening to the Park Flyer Podcast, where we discuss our RC adventures. Welcome to the Park Flyer Podcast, where we discuss the ups and downs of the new RC Flyer. Join your hosts, Michael and Jay, as they take flight at the park. Now on with the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Park Flyer Podcast. I'm Michael, and with me always tonight is my good friend. Is Jay here in Texas. Yeah. And uh, doing all right down in Texas? Is it getting any cooler? <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a new one. Is it getting any cooler? I haven't heard that before. Well, because it's cooling uh, no. down here in Arizona. Uh, what, from 120 to 110? Yes. Uh, but, you know, okay. that's a good well, thing. Well, that is cool. Technically, that is cooler. Um <laughs> <laughs> no, it's still, you know, above a hundred, uh, and it's been doing that. It's been the same like that for, you know, the past three months. So I'm, I'm ready for fall slash winter to come. Yeah. Well, I hear you. So, well, uh, what's new tonight? We, um, got a couple of projects that we're, that we're building and, uh, I think everybody has something going on. We, uh, we're trying to get uh, Alaska Mike on our call tonight, but uh, that didn't work out. So uh, we're not. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> did not work out we're not, at all. We're not going to be able to hear uh, his maiden, but he maidened uh, the um, the team cat. Th- yeah, team cat again, and uh, did a couple of modifications to it. So I think it's flying well. We'll have to get him on uh, on the horn and and get him to update us on that. Uh, you've got a new airplane that you, uh, just received and you're, uh, in yeah. the process of putting some stuff together and of yeah, course, I'll, I'll really go into detail. I think about uh, maybe another podcast cause I'm still, it's still in bits and pieces right. all around the room, right. but I will have to say where I've been complaining about a few models lacking here or there. Mm-hmm. I have to, I was mildly surprised with this plane. It's very well thought out. Even down to the box that they send it to you in, I was I was I was amazed just how they they thought that box out. Yeah, you know, so. actually my uh, my model that came in as well was fairly thought. I mean, was very well thought out as well. They actually yeah, built. But it, they actually it surprised built the you very box. much, didn't it? Because it wasn't a double. It wasn't a double box. It wasn't. The box came in, and I thought it was one of those boxes inside a box. And so the way they had it taped up and everything, I was like, oh well, I'll just undo the end of it so i i tried to cut the tape and pulled the ends off and they didn't work and i thought well this is really strange then i noticed it had tape all the way around you know the top of the box so i thought well i'll cut that tape off so i cut uh, the tape over the off. top over the top of the box or around like around, all around it the like box. like to make the seam you know like where the box the top of the box touches uh the sides it was taped right there so i thought well maybe it maybe it has a f- Fold out. So I tried to undo the little end, the top end, and okay. and then I thought, okay, well that didn't work. So maybe it's maybe it opens up, you know, long ways like that part folds down. So I cut the tape, and what actually happened is the lid came up like a chest, you know. So <laughs> it it, it the, like I lifted the whole lid off, and I was like looking in the box, going, "Holy smokes!" You know, but uh, it was corrugated cardboard that they had built a box out of so it wasn't actually like a cardboard box and then another cardboard box inside it it was actually one full however many sides four sides you know around it and then two a lid and a bottom and they glued them all on except for the top you can lift the top off like a hinge 
Anyway, so I opened it up, and sure enough, there's a nice shiny airplane in there. Uh, Thanks to uh, Mr. Neely. He... um, Happy birthday. <laughs> he sent, uh, <laughs> he got, uh, got me a, a Yak 55. It's a Skyline, I believe, is who makes it, a Skyline Yak 55. It's their second version, I believe. And uh, so, anyway, I open it up. It's this uh, yellow and red color. It's got checker, black checkerboards on it and red checkerboards. And I used to own a, a real Yak 55. Like really? the Russian, oh, yeah, okay. I used to fly it. So, I mean, I I do aerobatic competitions, and I had this Yak fifty five. Well, I I've sold it recently in the you know last year, and uh, I don't have any Yak fifty five airplanes, and so this one showed up, and I think Jay probably explained it better than me, but I think he had visions of you know me doing something to this, or at least flying it and, and reminiscing about my Yak. Well. I think I took it as always, Jason, you know, Jay gets in, me involved <laughs> yes. in, in a project and I, I take it to the maximum or the very next step or whatever you want to yeah, call I, it. I wanted know. to go here and then <laughs> next thing I know, what are you doing way up there? Yeah, exactly. I, I, I did not mean for you to spend $10,000 <laughs> on this project. I know, right? So, well, so, yeah. so I, I took the airplane apart and I started thinking about it because, uh, the cat, I think got let out of the bag and it, you know, I figured out it was coming. And, uh, so anyway, we, um, we had talked about it and I had a bunch of, I have a bunch of photos of my old airplane. Uh, and so as a result, I made the decision that I think I could probably make it look like my real Yak 55. And it was a pretty good project for me. And, and, uh, you know, it could be done a little bit, you know, at a time. So I opened the box, checked all the parts. They all look good. And the first thing out of the box was the wing. And uh, I uh, opened it up, unbagged it, reached over to the corner and stripped off the uh, So So tell the folks, so what color was your yak? Uh, It was yellow. No, you're you're, oh no, my no. yak! You're, you're my real, real yak. You're, oh, yes, you're the real yak. Yeah, I thought you meant the one that came in the box. The one in the <laughs> no, box no, no, was no. yellow and red and black. Mine was red, white, and blue. Whoops! <laughs> <laughs> so the yellow didn't work. Uh, and I, you know, it was just one of those things. I looked at it and I thought, you know, I, I, I'm not familiar enough with monocoat. Uh, I haven't worked a whole lot with it because most of the models that we get are basically foamies. foamies or you know i i have a lot of uh balsa wood stuff and they're almost ready to fly but they come already covered um i haven't really unlike alaska mike who built a stick when i covered it i i haven't done that so anyway right. well, I, you've done but you've you've worked a little bit with monocoat i mean yes you've, you've repaired have. you've repaired like tore a corner or you Correct. tore a little bit off the wing and you put a patch on it so you so you're a little familiar with it i, I not, am a little know. familiar i mean i, I have all the tools not I have covering iron. a whole plane from scratch type thing. No, I have not built from, okay. as you say, a redwood seed and then, you know, mill my own, <laughs> mill my own and that kind of thing. So, no, I haven't grown any redwood trees. Um, so, anyway, I stripped all the covering off of it and now I have basically the entire airplane is nothing but the raw balsa. And I will tell you that the good news about stripping balsa or stripping the, the monocote off of it is that if it's fairly new, it comes off in one big sheet. It doesn't strip or tear or stick 
Uh, so I was very, very lucky in the fact that every major piece came off in one full piece. I, di- I didn't have anything that stuck to the balsa, which nice. is unfortunate when you buy an airplane or if you got some an airplane from someone else or off Craigslist or whatever, uh, hand-me-down. If it's been out in the heat or, you know, it's just older, sometimes that glue, or if they use some sort of adhesive spray, uh, sometimes the glue sticks. So I was lucky in that sense that I got everything apart. Um, so having said all that, now I have a raw balsa wood and I have to decide, um, you know, how to go about and do the monocoat. So I found three colors. The white obviously uh, is just the jet white from, uh, from top flight. And then the red is the deep red and the blue is what they call an insignia blue. So those are the three colors that were closest to my Yaks colors. The problem that I ran into is twofold. The The monocoat was not the issue. It was the two pieces in there that were painted. The cow, what do you mean? The cow mm-hmm. and the canopy. Oh, yeah. Because the canopy uh, is clear plastic, but it's got, you know, it's painted and it's painted yellow and red or yellow and black. The cowl is actually a round cowling and it's right? fiberglass. You are correct. Yeah. And it basically is a yellow with a black checkerboard around. So now I have these black checkerboards that have been painted on top of the yellow and now they stick up just a little bit. So if I painted something over it, I would literally have these raised checkerboards. Checkerboards. Right. You'd right. be able to see through it. Right. So I'm I'm scratching my head trying to figure out what to do with that. In the meantime, you know, I run to the store and once again shout out to uh Hobby Bench there in uh in Phoenix. I uh, went and saw Rick. He uh ripped out some, you know, here you go. Need two rolls of this, one roll of this and um I walked out with uh you know, some monocoat and a couple of trim sheets to come home and Now, and, and, now what uh, are the trim sheets? Uh, the trim sheets are the the sticky monocoat. Uh, they they run about uh, I don't know two and a half feet, maybe twenty four thirty six inches, and uh, it's just a, a probably about a four inch strip, and you know thirty inches or six inches long, and uh, basically you can cut it, and then when you peel it, it's got a, a adhesive back, and you can just kind of stick. Oh, it on so there, like, you don't have to iron it down. No. Like, I remember when I worked with someone, I was trying to do a two or three layer tier and I had to be real careful when I put on, you know, that other layer and try to shrink it to it that, you know, not shrink it, but glue it down or or tack it down that I'd shrink the underneath it too much or the top wouldn't shrink enough. And, oh, it was. Yeah, that does happen. (laughs) It does happen like that. The trim sheets are basically if you just cut them, you can just lay them down like a sticker. Nice. That's so very nice. it is it is um really um convenient I guess is the right word. Uh the good news is that you know if you're cutting something out um you know from the trim sheet then you know you can just stick it to the the model and 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 do whatever you need to do. So if you're making like a stars or circles or stripes or something you can do multiple colors and you can just kind of lay it down. So I had a couple of those. I had uh, one red and two whites because I have a two white stripes that go down the side of the airplane. Um, I, I will try to post a picture of, you know, we'll see if we can post a picture of the real airplane on the website and then the um, uh, kind of my model in in the process and see if I can get, you know, 
see if we can get some comments on what it looks like. But uh, the first thing that I did was uh, try to cover the wing because that's the you know the largest single surface. I uh, haven't dealt, like I said, with the monocoat before, so I basically unrolled it, uh, got the right setting, figured out the temperatures, cut it to kind of match the wing, and then uh, just said, you know, hallelujah, here we go, and <laughs> touched the wing, uh, touched the iron to the wing. Uh, it didn't take much pressure, and it the monocoat really does a good job. Now, I do have a background uh, a little bit in working with vinyl, custom vinyls, like car wraps, trailer wraps, that kind of thing. Oh, really? So um, I, I do have that experience doing that, and actually the monocoat worked out as I started working with it. I realized that it was very similar to what I was used to. Rather than having an adhesive back and you know, a squeegee, I just had a iron. So I, I used it the same way. So it wound up, you know, working really, really well. Uh, it does have a couple of complex curves on it. And if you put a little heat gun to it or, you know, a little bit of a uh, stretch to it, it, it'll stretch around some of those compound curves. But what I was finding is, you know, that, that it would start to curve and start to make a, you know, a bubble or a crease. And I really needed to, you know, cut, the, the monocoat where it matched the angle. That way it wouldn't kind of crinkle. Does that make sense? Right. So you had to you had to put in just slight like crease lines, you know, cut crease lines or or just Well, no, I'm just saying that because I had so much material and I was stretching it and pulling on it, that as I oh. pulled it around the complex curve it would it, it would crinkle. Yeah. It would, it would just up. start to crinkle yeah. up and then what it what would have been better is if I would have been able to cut a line where it rolled right to the edge. So, like, let's say the leading edge. If I go all the way around the leading edge, it wants to stick onto the bottom, and it, it doesn't mm-hmm. really form as well. It kind of leaves bubbles on the front, and it stretches in different, you know, it attaches itself and stretches different. Depending uh, on how you're depending pulling on how you're pulling on it. Okay. Well, it's a lot a lot easier and I noticed when I pulled the old covering off that they actually have a top part and a bottom part that overlap by about a quarter of an inch on the leading edge. Oh, okay. So it, it just rolls to the edge and that way because your your material's ending right there, you don't have any of those that crinkling, you know, uh, problem. Because now whenever you roll it over the edge, you're already at the end. So there's no stretching or anything, it just lays down. Well, I was having, you know, issues with that. So I covered this wing. I got it all, you know, nice and tight and and figured it all out. Got the the ends of the wing all curved. I was so excited. You know, I I took photos. I sent them over to everybody. You know, saw the pictures. And I was like, wow, you do. You did pretty good quick work and and a quick amount of time. And, and, uh, you know, with minimum stress, I, I was quite amazed. Right. And so the yak itself, the real yak 55 is red on the bottom, white on the top. I put the wing together, did the aileron, got everything matched, and then as I started looking at it, I realized the servo, <laughs> the servo hole, is on the top, and it should be That's on the bottom. Really, why would why would the Chinese do this to me? It That's was weird. really frustrating for me. I could not understand <laughs> that. So I went over and got the other one, and I looked, and sure enough, that one's on the bottom. And then the light bulb came on because I was working late and realized that I had just covered the wrong side with the wrong color. 
So I got to practice. I, got, I was able to practice because I covered right. the, I covered the uh, top I, part. Way to stay positive. Yeah. Way to, way, way, yeah. Way to turn a negative into a positive. Right. At least you got some training out of yes, it. Yes, I did. Excellent, buddy. Well, I, unfortunately, I covered the top of the airplane with the red, and it was supposed to be white. And I covered the bottom part with the white. So now I have this beautiful wing, and I thought, you got to be kidding me because that's a – you know, it's a 60-inch wingspan, so it's not a small wing. It's a pretty sizable wing. It takes up, up my whole desk. I, I used up yeah. almost half a roll or or more of yeah. Monocote. So that, <laughs> and let me tell you, folks, Monocote's not, you know, $2 like it used to be. It's it's gotten up there now. I think the, a roll of Monocote runs around $15. So that was a $7, $8 mistake. And I had to wind up, you know, basically ripping it off and starting from scratch. So the good news is the second attempt was even better than the first. Uh, it it laid down. I was able to uh, figure out that instead of just rolling the the uh, monocote roll out and then just, you know, kind of putting it on the wing while the monocote was rolling around, that I could actually put it on there and cut it in the size of the wing. And that made it very convenient because now I was only working with a much smaller piece and that smaller piece just laid right on top of the wing and I could just kind of move it. So I set it down and traced it out and, uh, and basically, you know, picked the wing up and made sure I had the right size. Uh, the monocoat has a, a film on one side that you peel off. So I peeled that off and that exposes the um, glue. Adhesive. Adhesive, thank you. And so I laid it on the wing, and I started to uh, realize that this it, something didn't look right. And <laughs> I'm like, why, okay. why is this not working correctly, you know? And so I'm moving this thing around, and I've already kind of stuck the first part down because I laid it on the wing. Like, I, I just cut it, and I laid it on the wing. So I'm like, well, okay, that, you know, it's sit. It's sitting where it should be, so I start ironing from the you know the the middle of it, and I kind of go out, and then I realize that this thing doesn't fit. It's it's the the cut where the aileron should be is on the top of the wing, on the front of the wing, and the aileron is on the bottom. I'm the long part is on the bottom, so I'm trying to move it around, and as I'm you know I kind of peeled it off again, and I'm looking around, and I realize once again the light bulb came on that mistake number two is that it was upside down. So I had the bottom of the, or the top. So I had stretched it out and cut the top of it. So the yeah, wings buddy. upside down, <laughs> right? The wing is upside down. I, <laughs> I trace out the wing and the cut, and then I turn the, the wing right side up, the one that I'm supposed to. But then when I pull the, the sticky part off of the bottom and lay it down there, it actually should go to the other wing. So, I realized that I had just traced out from the backside. So it's now backwards, right? If that makes sense. Luckily for me, I was like, okay, well, that makes sense to me because now it's, you know, I tried to put it on there and it wasn't working. So I ran and got the other wing. And sure enough, it fits perfectly on this wing because, you know, that's the side it's supposed to go on. So I was able to, to once again, put the Monaco down and make it look real nice. But that would have been mistake number two, and I was almost frustrated to, like, wad it up and throw it away. And then I thought, well, that's a whole dang roll again, so <laughs> i got to stop doing this. Well, i got to say, good save. Yeah, good save. Yeah, I but, saved uh, that one. But it came back to bite me because the aileron got reversed. I, 
<laughs> I, I did the so, white and the red on the bottom parts again. So, so from this mistake now, do you have a couple of things that you're going to do different on future? If you ever do this again, that you're going to do a little different. You know, funny you mentioned like, that because I know you and I have talked about it before. And, and um, yes, so what I would do different is uh, take some blue painters tape or a magic marker or something and write on literally on the piece of wood top bottom you know the color yes. red bottoms white so that when i you know lay it down and i realize okay this is the white part and then i need to make sure that i put the the top coating uh which is exposed to the air not the adhesive side so i have to put the adhesive side on the on the actual side that the color right. is the color before i cut it so that i'm not cutting it on the shiny side and then realize I cut it upside down. And in fact, I would use <clears throat> not just, um, I think the painter's tape is perfect, but I would use the stuff like your frog tape that's in yellow or green. Right. And the, the normal blue stuff. And the reason I would do that is that you could actually, when you write on your, on the wing, like, right. you know, top, bottom, you do it in two different colors. And when you make your cutouts, then you label them top, bottom in that, in the appropriate colors. Therefore, Something's going to cue you as you go to put it on. You go, oh, this was yellow. This is blue. Oh, I, 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 it's reverse. You flip it over. You see the yellows on the other side. And you go, oh, I should go on this right. side. Okay. For those three o'clock in the morning, you know, when you're putting your models together, it might help you out and save you. So I know. And, and it's, and that, and part of that was the problem, you know, cause I'd come home uh, from, you know, my day and I'd say, oh, I'm, I'm just going to spend five or 10 minutes, you know, I'll do, I'll do <laughs> something. I'll, I'll just iron the three hours, three hours later. Yeah. And I look up and it's like two forty five in the morning and I'm thinking, oh man, I got to get up early and, you know, go do my thing. And it just, uh, it was frustrating. However, I did get, um, the other thing that was frustrating about it is that the original airplane had these nice tight quarter inch lines all the way around the edge and, you know, everything was such a nice, clean cut. It was very difficult to use my X-Acto knife and try to cut while it was on the wood. And, you know, I'd try to cut it when it was just on. I have a big um, cutting mat, so I would trace it out and use a straight edge and then kind of move it around. And sometimes that worked, but sometimes I, I needed the, you know, to stretch it. So I needed a little bit more material, and then I had to kind of cut it after it was already on there. And I, I was having a and really hard say- time figuring out how to make this look a little bit more professional and not to have all this stuff, you know, really hanging out everywhere. And, and didn't you say also that I like your blades were dulling pretty quickly? They are. They do have problems with your regular exacto exacto knife blades and they would just dull and the, you'd be tearing or not cutting the uh, monocote as crisp. That is correct. And, and unfortunately, you know, you go to Michael's or, a hobby shop or somewhere to buy exacto blades and they come in a little pack of like five blades and they're fairly expensive. You know, they're eight or $10 or whatever for those five blades and monocote kills those blades. I mean, they are, <laughs> they are literally within a couple of cuts, just dull as all get out. So what I did is I went online and I'm thinking it was somewhere either Hobby King or Banggood or, or Amazon. One of those places has uh, some some basically exacto knives that come in a pack of 100. And I, I ordered a box. 
Actually, I ordered two boxes, I think, but uh, <laughs> I wasn't really sure. And I, I, yeah, I agree. You're, uh, you know, giving me the the surgical blades, and you can order those as well, and they're probably just as good. And uh, and the, yep, yeah, and the uh, the Ulfa blade as well. So I ordered a hundred, uh, a pack of hundred, and then that that actually made it better because now I can, you know, use two or three or four, or <laughs> two or three or four Exacto blades uh, to be able to. Um, you guys can't see up there, but he's holding all these blades up. He's, obviously, you had an order too, right? I mean, um, yes, I did. Talking about it, you got surgical, you know, scalpel blades and some other stuff. But, uh, but yeah, my pack, the pack of a hundred came in and it worked out much better. The point I was trying to make earlier, though, is that even with a sharp blade, if you don't have a straight edge or somewhere, you know, to try and cut, and, and the and your blade, you have to. You just want to cut the top layer, or just like just through. Right. Yeah. And sometimes I found myself trying to hold it, and it would dig into the wood, or wood. and I don't want to do that to yeah. you. So, jump in a car, drive up to uh, Hobby Bench again, and then uh, talking to Rick about it because he's recovered a bunch of airplanes and he's built all kinds of stuff and does a really cool job. And he goes, "Oh, you don't have a, a top flight um, tool." For Monaco, you don't have a Monaco tool. I'm like, no. there's a Monaco tool. <laughs> I'm sure, <laughs> exactly, Mr. Mr. Right? Collector you know? of tools. Well, and you know how you know me, right? Tool for right, and Joe. widgets and gadgets. Yeah, and uh, he still actually, I just saw him today, and he uh, he was making fun of my uh, my Clevis tool that I told you I got last time. But mm-hmm. uh, he, um, yeah, he basically gives me the, or you know, gives me this uh, Monaco tool, and it uh, has two blades on it. And you can basically put it on the side of the airplane, draw it down, and it leaves a perfect cut line uh, all the way around, you know, the inside of the wing. And it'll cut right down the um, the leading edge. It makes incredibly precision cuts and doesn't cut through all the way to the model. It just cuts the top part of the monocoat. Nice. It took me a little bit. I will tell you that if you uh, look it up or you you take a look at it and you get one, it does take a little bit of time to figure out where the right angle is because it's got a 45-degree angle, a 90-degree angle, uh, you know, and and then you can freehand it. It's got a little um, addition where you can do a quarter-inch or a 16th-inch cut. So you have to kind of take a little bit of time and read it and then do a couple practice runs uh, because once or twice I – grabbed it and put it on the, you know, the cut and I cut the, the monocoat clean off. I was like, what happened? You know, well, it's because you had to turn it to the other side and you had to use the other side of the wood, uh, to make it cut in the middle, not on the very edge. So, uh, it, there was a little bit of a learning curve there. I'm not going to lie to you. It's not the most user friendly, but once you figure it out, it does a fantastic job. Fantastic nice. job. So, uh, so anyway, we, uh, we did both wings. I finally got the ailerons right. Uh, both of those looked really, really good. They were really tight and, you know, no wrinkles. And, uh, now it came time for the body and the body was a little bit more difficult. Um, it's got three colors to it as opposed to just two. Um, and so, uh, I was trying to figure out whether to wrap the whole body in white and then put darker colors over top of it. Or if I, right. you know, should just wrap the you know, the bottom and the top in blue and the middle in red, and then just put white stripes down. And, uh, I think just by virtue of looking the way the, 
the other stuff came off that they had it cut in like three different pieces. I figured that was the best way to go. So I cut a piece for the top in blue and the bottom in blue, and then I cut two pieces for the sides in red. And I'm going to, you know, I was going to use the um, trim trim sheet. Thank you. The trim sheet for the white stripes that go down the body. That worked out. Um, After, you know, two wings and two ailerons, doing one of them twice or the aileron three times. I can't remember how many times. I went through probably two rolls of Monaco just practicing. But I got them all figured out and situated. uh, And then the body was just pretty much really easy because it was just a big rectangle. I put it on there. Worked like a charm. Now comes the hard part because now I'm staring at the cowling and the canopy. Right. So this you can't monocoat. You're going to have to paint this stuff. This is That's this correct. is now you're you're departing from the monocoat. And now this is once again in your realm, because, I mean, as long as I've known you, that's been the great thing about, you know, with the foamies, you've been painting this stuff. I'd go to you and ask you how you did stuff. So this seems like this would be easy. Should take you about five minutes. And yes. And so, uh, you know, I ripped out my um, my painter's tape and I uh, paint, I taped off the canopy. And then I realized that I needed to match the monocoat color, which is an insignia blue. So I ran over to the store, the hobby store, and what do you know, the top flight does no longer carries that, I think they call it a um, ultra, not ultra coat, it's the, um, what's the spray paint stuff that they Oh, uh, you're asking, I got old man's disease. I know, me too. Um, anyway, it's a spray paint that uh, they carry that looks uh, like it's the same color as the monocote itself. And so anyway, I, I, I went to the store to get some of that stuff, and unfortunately, they don't make it anymore. So the only color that they had was white. So I went ahead. I went ahead and grabbed. <laughs> Put the, you in a little. <laughs> yeah, we got as long as you want it in white. Yeah, you're, you're, you're doing pretty yeah, good. Yeah, you, you got it. We, get, we can get you. We got off white. Um, <laughs> we got egg white. <laughs> <laughs> no, they just had the jet white. It was just the white. Just color. jet white. Oh, okay. But I, I was really hoping to get the blue because the, the white and the red I didn't really need. I can do, you know, that wasn't the cowling. The cowling is red, uh, and it was the blue that I had to match because I could match the red. So uh, I taped it off, and then now I'm kind of wondering if I should remove the paint that's on the ca- uh, on the cowling. Or if I should sand it or, you know, because I'm scratching my head. I I made the decision to go ahead and rough it up so it would take a, a clean coat. So I, I basically got some 400 grit uh, wet dry sandpaper and I, I used it dry to, to begin with just to take the clear coat off of the canopy. Uh, now you have to be very careful because if you're not, if you don't um, mask it off first, you could scratch the canopy. Uh, the clear right. coats that are not being painted, but it was painted before. So, you know, running the 600 grit or 400 grit sandpaper over it, I even got it wet a little bit and did some, you know, auto sanding where I got all the bubbles and everything out and it took all the, um, you know, the, the shiny stuff off. So it would accept that coat of paint. Now this is the, this is the cowling or canopy. this is the, the canopy. canopy. Okay. Right. The, canopy. So the canopy. So it's all taped off on the clear parts. Uh, what's exposed is a red color because that's what the canopy color was red and my airplane was blue. So I basically was now looking for this insignia blue color. I couldn't find it uh, anywhere. And believe it or not, I happened upon Ace Hardware and I walked in there and they actually have a, bl- a brand 
an ace brand of paint that's called um, International Blue. Man, it matches spot on. Oh, and the other stuff was called Luster Coat. Luster Coat, that's it. Thank you very much. Luster Coat. Evidently, they haven't made that in quite some time, and uh, unfortunately, I think they're looking for, according to my sources, they're looking for a new uh, vendor to help them with that paint. So hopefully it'll be back in the store soon. But, um, yeah, the Ace Hardware had one uh, that uh, that matched almost perfectly, and they had a, re- a can of red that was international red, and uh, it, it matched my red almost perfectly as well. Well, nice. So I was able to come home, and uh, I have, you know, I just I put a little hanger, and luckily for me, uh, our paint booth outside is about 110 degrees, so... <laughs> It was pretty easy to <laughs> pretty easy to lay down a, a coat of paint or two, and uh, I think I painted uh, two coats, and then I used the six hundred grit sandpaper to sand it again, and then put another uh, another coat over the top of it. It is a gloss, so I didn't have to put a clear coat on it um, because it matches the um, the monocoat pretty pretty well. Oh, okay. So that went. Well, that sounds like that, that went, went really fast. fairly quickly. Yeah, it nice. was really really quick. Uh, then comes the canopy. I mean, then comes the cow. Now the cow we talked about earlier that had the checkerboards on it. And I mm-hmm. knew that the checkerboards are going to show underneath, um, this, this red paint. I had some red paint that it's testers brand. And I like to use the testers brand because it, it's, it, it dries very hard and, and it's a very good, you, it, it's got some properties in it if you've ever used testers, but uh, I like their testers model, uh, master model builders. And the spray paint version of it, I usually use the airbrush, but this was a big enough part that I could use a, a rattle can. It was pretty easy. So the the thing that I like about the rattle can is it's got some properties in there that is it's drying. If something makes an indention in it, it will actually self-level and and move itself out. So you can handle it after an hour or two, but you'll find that you'll, you know, it may be sticky and you put a fingerprint in it. If you just put it back and let it hang for 24 hours, uh, normally it will self-level and then it will be this really hard, very tough uh, paint. So I had some red. I took some sandpaper and I sanded all the edges off of the black uh, squares because they're black checkerboards. And they're so, fairly large. So you just took, uh, like, what grit? I mean, that doesn't sound like that was too difficult to sand the paint. So did you sand it down to the bare? No. You know, down to bare fiberglass? No, or no, did no, you no, get no. it down to a primer coat? Or did you just, for each individual square, you just sanded it until it was, like, they were gone? So like, you can you run know. your finger over, you know, I mean, I could run my finger from the front of the canopy to the rear, and I could feel the little, you know, bump in there. So I, I took... Um, probably 250 grit sandpaper and I started you know just doing where the where my finger could feel the difference and then as I got that kind of some of it came off like the black started coming off and then you know it kind of blended in and then uh, I just kind of went all the way around until I could run my hand over it and not feel it then I jumped up to the 400 grit sanded it all jumped up to the 600 grit sanded it all and I thought okay we're good you know we're golden cuz it's smooth all the way around washed it all up Tried it for, you know, a day. Then I took my testers spray, uh, red spray paint that matches my monocoat and uh, went back out into my 110 degree, uh, you know, 120 degree spray booth (laughs) and hung it up and started, sprayed the whole cow. Bad news, 
<laughs> there's, there's bad news? Yeah, the bad news was that, unfortunately, I wasn't paying as close of attention as I should with the paint that I had. It was translucent, not opaque. So it basically coated the whole cowling red, but it's see-through red. So it doesn't, it didn't coat like what you would normally think. So now oh, you can. So it did it. So, but that must have been. When did you figure that out? Because wouldn't it be like you sprayed it once and you go, oh, first light coat, and then you go back with the next coat and right. it's still yes, translucent. Oh, that yeah. is correct. Yeah. Okay. So the first coat, I figured, oh, it just laid it down really, really lightly, and you can still see some of the black squares and the yellow behind it. And I thought, okay, that I'll just let that dry for a little bit. Then I came back in, sprayed it again. And then realized, wait a second, why isn't this covering like normal? I mean, it should cover and turn red. And it wasn't. It was It was still, you could see through the red. It was turning it red, but you could still see the black squares. You could still see the yellow underneath it. And I'm thinking, okay, this is not working correctly at all. And I went back, and sure enough, this is translucent paint uh, for foam. And when I use it on foam, it's no big deal because the foam is white. So, it, you know, it'll it'll just kind of show this. Right. So this. So right now, your cow's still yellowish. Right? Yes, it's it's yellow okay. and black. You can still see everything. It just has a red luster coat around it. <laughs> it's a real pretty, uh, you know, coat it's of red. Fabulous. fabulous. <laughs> well, I I got frustrated and I thought, you know what, this is just this sucks. And so I thought, well, I'll just have to put a primer coat on it. So I I grabbed my luster coat uh, from Top Flight. And I walked outside, and the testers, like I said, takes about 24 to 48 hours to harden up. Well, I was a little impatient and didn't wait that. So I basically sprayed the white paint over top of the testers. Right, right. So the whole thing was painted white, and it looked great. It had a nice coat. You know, I mean, like you were mentioning, I painting's not new to me, so I had a real nice coat, no runs. It was really, really nice. Let it dry overnight, came back, and I thought, okay, well, I'll put another coat of white on it before uh, I, I, you know, paint the red, and that way for sure it won't, you know, show these little squares. And so I, I took my my 400-grit sandpaper, and I started sanding lightly, and as I did, I noticed that some of the paint started rippling so it was no longer smooth. It it came up like a carpet. You know, like if your carpet's not down and you step on it and it just kind of comes up and bunches up. Yeah. That's right. the way the paint did on the cowley. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. You know, I, I just wasted half a can of this, you know, the $11 spray paint on this cowling, and now it's all ripply. And so I, I, I really didn't understand what was happening. So I just kind of touched it. And when I did, it was like, um, have you ever left like a chocolate cake out or, or something, you know, where it got hot and it just starts sliding, you know, the top of it just starts sliding right. off. Right. That's the way this paint was doing. It was literally sliding down the side. I could take my finger and move the whole column uh, of paint and it wasn't all of the paint. It was only some of it. And so I started moving around this cowling and realized that the testers had not dried and the testers to get hard has this enamel and it has to outgas is what they call it. And so I had covered that up and now it had outgassed and created his bubbles underneath this top flight, uh, 
luster coat. So now half of the luster coat is just sliding right off the canopy. It looks terrible. And, and, <laughs> yeah, when you sent me pictures, I didn't know what I was looking at. I was uh, like, it was uh, awful. Is this, is this modern art? What, what, what am I <laughs> modern art? It was, it was just all this runny, gooey, you know, whatever. Oh yeah. It was gooey type too. art. And, uh, I will, we'll have to, you'll have to, we'll have to add that to the show notes or a picture or two in there because it just, it just looked awful yeah, from that beautiful awful. white to this just runny, whatever it was. <laughs> and I was and he's, well, he's it, like, look what happened. I'm like, <laughs> that was before. Right. And he's like, no, this is what's happening now. And I'm, I'm looking, uh, I, I was totally confused with the pictures when he was sending to me, folks. I, it didn't make any, I couldn't comprehend what yeah. was going on, but uh, yeah, it looked bad. Well, you could comprehend the frustration on my end. That's what oh, you yeah. Oh, yeah. It was tough, After I but. talked to you. Yeah, that was pretty funny. But uh, what I wound up doing is basically I, I tried to start sanding it. And the more I sand, the more I tried to sand it, the more the red started coming up. And it was obvious to me that the red um, testers had not tried. Yeah, you can't and, sand taffy. No, and that's exactly <laughs> that's exactly what it was. Every time I ran across it, it would start slip sliding, and it it was a mess. People, I mean, it just was terrible. And I wound up having to get you know some paint remover, and I, I pulled all of the white off. I scrubbed you know with this paint remover and pulled all of the red off to where it was now back down to just the the yellow and black. Now, bad news was I just went through two cans of, you know, $12 paint. But along with the monocoat, that was, uh, you know, a good learning experience. I can chalk that up to uh, next time. But uh, in in the meantime, I, I decided that I would definitely have to sand it because there were rough spots uh, where this the bubbles were and some of the paint had adhered uh, to uh, the undercoat. So I literally, as I started you know, moving some of this paint stuff around then, then because I had sanded it earlier, some of the black was coming off and it was coming down. It actually, several parts had already gone down to the raw, um, fiberglass. fiberglass. Yeah. So now I have multiple layers, multiple layers because, <laughs> you know, there were several pieces that had chipped out, you know, come out and it's got like five or six coats of primer on it. And I was just like, Oh, this looks terrible. I mean, it, it looked so bad. Jay's right. I mean, I sent him a picture. He's like, what the heck is this? You know, <laughs> it was, <laughs> it was not good. So, uh, I went and got, uh, some, some about 150 grit sandpaper and I worked a couple hours on getting everything just sanded back to normal. So a large portion of it, uh, there were large sections that were right down to the, the bait, to the, um, fiberglass. And you really shouldn't paint that. So I had to go out and get a primer. And I got the, um, learning my lesson from the last time, I got the red, uh, what do they call that? It's not a rust color, but it's, um, it, yeah, it's, it's got kind of got a, like a rust color to it. But it's what they use, you know, underneath for like metals and stuff. So I used that. It was this. Uh, Rust-oleum? Yeah, it was a Rust-oleum type paint, but it, it um, it's got that, you know, the red color to it. And so it's it's like a color of a brick, you know. It's it's okay. just kind of red, but anyway, it's it's a flat paint, and uh, I I I painted that, sanded it, painted it, sanded it, and got about three coats of the primer on it. It looked really good. It was covering up all of the yellow and the black, 
Uh, I didn't have any ridge lines or anything. And then I basically went to my um, red enamel and sprayed the whole thing in red. Uh, so it worked out. The um, I think I sent photos after I got all the red put on there, and you can almost see yourself in it. It's a really, really good, um, uh, you know, shiny paint. And I've probably got about six coats of it on there. And uh, between every coat, I sanded with uh, 400 and then 600 grit, and then I repainted it. So it looks really, really good. And uh, unfortunately, it's not all red. There is some blue and white on it, so I had to figure out, Okay, well, now what do I do? So I matched it up with the body. Uh, it's got a little blue circle on the top. I masked it off, sprayed the same color as the uh, cowling, I mean, as the uh, canopy, and then uh, sprayed the bottom as well. So it's so, got a so red. So how did you do that? I mean, did you did you mask? I mean, like you I did. totally on the – you okay, so first you put the cowling on. So did Correct. you already like put the holes in it to mount it so that, that every time it, you could mount it back to the same spot or did you just tape it on the plane or how did you, you know, how did you get it so that you didn't take it off, put it back on and then misalign it? Yeah. Okay, so, so the blue, you- the blue itself, um, it, it only had to be a half circle. So it was literally like a half circle and, um, it didn't really have to be that big, but the good news is, is that it's going to have white around the blue. So it doesn't matter you know, the edge of what the edge of the blue looks like. So I basically slid it on and then just used some some blue painter's tape and I I taped it around to get the the proper shape. And then once I got the proper shape, I just sprayed it blue on the top and the bottom. Okay, so the the white trim piece that you were going to put on after that, you didn't have to be as critical to get it perfect. You just had to get it in the ballpark, right? You know, the size because the white's going to the, the white trim come would cover over everything, it, right? Right. Okay. Uh, I will tell you though that uh, it was very easy for me. I I, um, I have a computer. I have Adobe Illustrator. It's a computer program, and and uh, I went in there and actually designed the stripe itself, and I cut it out. I printed it out, and I cut the paper, and then uh, I had some extra vinyl laying around that I from a job way back when, and I cut the vinyl out, and then just put it over there. So the vinyl actually masked where I needed to paint the blue paint. Um, and that made it a little bit more, you know, professional looking. It wasn't just spraying it on there. It actually had the, oh, okay. the curvature. And then I basically did uh, exactly that. I, I cut that out. I, I measured it all out, and I made it uh, into this, you know, this little wide stripe that comes across the nose, and um, and it worked out great. And while I was thinking about it, I have a star, a Russian star that's on the nose, so I just cut that out as well. Slap those on there, and that looks just like the uh, the real thing. It's pretty exciting. Actually. Okay, so once once you got it painted, actually the the things that I would think well, it would have been difficult for me to do because I didn't happen to have the equipment that you do. Um, actually, was a lot easier just because you had the right tools for the you know for the job. So it made that part go really quick for you. I had the. So I'm glad that part worked out. I had the what. You had the right tools for the job. Yes, that's exactly right. I say that all the time. The right tool for the right <laughs> job. Thank you for backing me up there. <laughs> well, <laughs> like I said, if I was doing it, it would just it would be quite you know that looks about right, and I would have been like you know some tape, all right? <laughs> cutting it with the exacto knife that looks about right. There you go. Well, the, you know, the funny part about no it is that it. Um, nice. I, I was working on it this week, this last weekend, and uh, we had a friend in town, and she was. Uh, She's a friend of my wife. She was sitting there, 
uh, at the table while I was doing this. And I was trying to get the stripes on the cowling and the body to line up. So now that I have the cowling uh, where it needs to be, I have these, you know, stripes coming down and I wanted to kind of get them all lined up. And, and so she starts looking at this thing and she's like, are you eyeballing this whole thing? You know, you're just kind of, just kind of wagging it. And I looked at her and I was like, well, yes and no. I mean, I, I, I am wagging it to a point, but I do have a template. She goes, you do? And I said, yeah, it's right here on my phone. And so I showed her the picture of the real airplane and she goes, wait, 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 wait. She goes, you're, you're doing this whole thing off of what you see on this phone. And I went, "Mm, yeah, I mean, it was my airplane. I know what it was painted like and I just have photos of it. I don't have the real airplane anymore to, you know, go make, take measurements or anything. And she goes, wow, that's, that's pretty impressive that you're able to just look at the photo and then make it look like it is in the photo. And I was like, well, I don't know. It's not my first, you know, time around the block. So uh, I'm not saying it's perfect, but it's pretty close. If it's flying, you'd never know the difference. I mean, you see the pictures. If you got up close, there are a few mistakes and, you know, I'm learning, but, uh, but it did turn out uh, very, very uh, close to the real thing. Good news is I found some Russian stars uh, from a company called Major Decals, and they worked out perfect. They were exactly what I needed for the uh, top of the airplane. And, uh, oh, good. Yeah, they, uh, they're sticky as well. So you just peel them off and stick them on there, and they worked out great. Yeah, because I know we were talking a little bit about whether you know, you're going to do a monocoat, whether you're going to try to do them in vinyl, you know, whether you're going to give Callie a call, you know, which way you're going to go with the stars. So that's kind of nice that you stumbled upon and you stumbled upon those, right? I did stumble upon them. They uh, just happened to be in the back shelf all covered in dust because, you know, how many people buy Russian stars? But uh, <laughs> and I and I was actually to the point where I had just measured everything out. I was going to put something in the Illustrator and try to send, you know, send it over to Callie and say, hey, can you print these out? Because uh, I know she does a great job over there. But uh, I just happened onto these, and it was exactly what I needed. Unfortunately, it's only in the red portion. Now I need a white section for the bottom, uh, so I had to design those myself. But it was pretty easy now that I had a template of the actual star, you know, distance. And all oh that yeah, kind of thing. yeah. So uh, it was easier for me to cut them out, and I, and I do have a vinyl cutter that I can, you know, make it a little more um, precise. So. It worked out, but uh, I, I um, to the point now where I have almost everything covered. Oh, I was going to tell you, it came with a really nice carbon fiber landing gear, and I love the I oh, love yeah. the carbon fiber yeah. look. I really do. And just for our, our listeners, I you know I was contemplating whether to leave this carbon fiber look or to try and make it a little more scale and and to look more like the real airplane. So I wound up calling Jay and saying, you know, hey, this is my dilemma. What should I do? And and uh, and you uh, you made that decision for me. <laughs> well, uh, you know, after you know, I'm hearing this story, uh, you know, through the whole couple of weeks of you going through this, putting this together, and the trials and tribulations, and then you were like, oh, I love this gear. This gear is really good. It's well built. Oh, it's beautiful. That beautiful black and it's shiny. And it's beautiful. And I'm like, yeah, but you know, your gear was. Uh, aluminum silver looking and you're going to put this even though the, the gear looks good in black you did all that hard work to get everything right <laughs> you know all these right. just the cowl alone right. and then you're just going to go ahead and make something not authentic come on how much I, harder is going to be to just to paint it and it, and, it wasn't so un, you know fortunately the real uh, airplane has titanium gear uh it's a big you know metal bar that goes all the way around the gears like one piece like it would be in you know in this particular case and so uh, 
back to the store I went, looked around, found some uh, testers, uh, you know, titanium color, and came home and sanded the landing gear. And that was one of those things because it's so, you know, smooth. And I'm thinking, oh, as soon as I put that sandpaper on there, I thought, nah. I can't, I'm no going. It's no going back <laughs> now because you know it's it it's ain't pretty anymore. Not buddy. pretty anymore. So, but so what did you use on that? What 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 grit did you use on that? Uh, that? Same thing. You know, it was already smooth, so I probably could have just sprayed it. Uh, but it's always good to knock the the clear coat off. And so I I didn't I didn't really you know sand it hard with really hard grit sandpaper. So it was basically I started with the six hundred on that. Oh, okay. So the 600 for smoothness, it's already going to take, you know, all it's going to do is kind of take the the shininess out of yeah, the... Um, and it's giving the paint something to grab yeah, onto. So. so that's what I did because uh, it was in really good shape anyway. And so I just sprayed it with the uh, titanium color and it came out really nice. Installed the the uh, wheels on it and uh, it's on the airplane and looks very authentic. I did not, I chose not to put the wheel pants on. It came with wheel pants. Uh, but my my airplane did not have wheel pants, so I elected not to put them on there. Okay. So well, that makes sense. I mean, yeah. you know, after going through this whole thing. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you are uh, a real flight user and you are interested in seeing this uh, airplane, it is on real flight. If you go to the swap pages and you look for um, a Yak fifty five. A lot of them will come up, but the tail number on this one is uh, November N. It's a N1. Let's see. It's uh, November 955SF or Sierra Foxtrot. So if you type that into the swap pages, uh, it'll come up. I think it's a 50% size yak. Way back when I had the yak, you know, years ago, and I was playing real flight a lot, uh, I, I created that you know, that paint scheme for that particular yak. So it's in there. Uh, if you're interested, you know, drop us a line and tell us you found it or, uh, you know, go go play around with it. But that's what it looks like. So I, I did kind of have a little bit of an idea of, of uh, you know, what I needed because I, you know, we had the airplane. The airplane was painted. I had all those photos from when it was painted. And we had the, um, this, you know, this paint program that we did for uh, for real flight. So. But uh, it's not finished yet. Um, still a process of um, doing the last, you know, a couple last minute items. Um, the tail wheel that I got, I didn't, I didn't really like the tail wheel that came with it, so I bought a, a nice carbon fiber and, and aluminum type tail wheel to put on it. I uh, just have to make sure that it sits correctly. Uh, so it was sitting too tall, or what? What, what did yeah, you? Yeah, like you know, it uh, it's long because it's for like a. 50, 40, 30 to 50 size airplane. And this one's more like a 60, more like a 25 size. So mm-hmm. it's a little bit long and it just brings the tail up um, to me probably a little bit higher than I like it. Uh, I could probably leave it on there and just upsize my wheels by a half inch and that'll probably take care of the problem. So I, I can't have it too low because the rudder, it's a big rudder and I don't want it dragging the ground. So I just... I just have to take a look at it and see. But I like the wheels. You know, they're low profile and very lightweight. and Nice. They're in there. So what exactly do you have left with, with your model then? I mean, so you got the, you got pretty much all the pieces covered. So what else is there yet to do to, you know, at least getting it to look the part? Well, I'm to the assemb- I'm to the assembly part now. Um, oh, okay. Good. You know, I, I, I uh, 
as any project comes in, I, you know, get online and order, I go down to the shop and, you know, pick up parts. And so my servos came in, uh, the motor came in, the ESE is here. Uh, so now I'm just, you know, I'd, I'd have, I have to run out and get a receiver or somebody, you know, want to send one to me they can but <laughs> anyway i got yeah <laughs> nothing wrong with begging for a receiver uh yeah just a four channel receiver and and um and then basically i i forgot but the uh the propeller that we had on the the yak comes originally with a two blade propeller it's a big paddle propeller i thought about putting that on there but on my particular yak we have an mt prop which is a three blade uh and it is a wooden prop and so as Jay suggested with the landing gear, we want to kind of do all this work to make it similar. And now, you know, this is as close as we can get. So I wound up getting a master air screw prop, sanded it, painted it. Now it looks just like, you know, it's all white with red tips and it looks just like my aircraft. And, uh, I hunted around and we found a couple of, um, three bladed spinners and, uh, we got those painted too. So, Hopefully we can get it all balanced out and, you know, my servos came in. So if I can put some servos in, I changed out the hinges from those little fabric hinges to actual pin. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the pin hinges so that it's um, you know, got a little more rigidity to it. Uh, and, and then from there, it's just a matter of assembling it. So I've I've done all the work. It's just a matter of, you know, getting the airplane put together and get some photos. So at least the nice part about with, you know, I mean, it was quite an ordeal to recover it and, and your little learning process and stuff of doing this. But the nice part about ripping off the covering was you got to see the bones of the plane. You got to see if there was any, you know, bad glue joints. You got to look at how they put the model together, you know, before you went back and recovered it. You could at least go over it once. Uh, like you said, you didn't like the hinges. You went ahead and changed the hinges out. You were able to make little minor changes and they were no big deal. Correct. And also, if you would have had a problem with, let's say, the servo, servos or the servo holes and stuff where they were supposed to go, this was the time to make modifications to those things before you re recovered it, right? So luckily <laughs> you didn't have to do that, but, you know. Yeah, I should have, but I didn't. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, so basically when Jay sent this to me, uh, Jay ultimately, you know, great friend, he, he found a build thread, which he does on – you know, most of the time when we start building airplanes, one of us will look around and RC groups had a build thread. Well, once again, this, this model's a couple years old and we've gone through a couple of versions. And so the build thread that we have was literally version one that came across. So everybody's talking about what they did modification wise. And then the first thing that they complained about was the servo holes were huge. They were like 40 millimeters by 20 millimeters and they took a, a standard size servo. And so I'm reading through the build thread to try and get an idea of what, you know, I would like. And, and I know that there's a couple of standard size servos out there. I wanted metal gear, wanted digital high voltage. Uh, it's a 3d airplane. So, you know, I definitely wanted to go all out on it and I ordered these servos. Well, they came, you know, I waited a week and they finally came in and here I am, you know, pulling a servo out all excited. I went to go set it in the hole and it's way bigger than the hole. I mean, this servo is massive <laughs> compared to this little hole. And I, I'm, I'm looking at this going, what the heck, you know, did I mismeasure? Did I order the wrong servo? So 
I jump back in and I'm laughing because this one that I have is version like two or three and the versions that they have is version one. So originally the hole was really just a big gaping hole and the guy has the, the small servo, this little 25 gram servo and he's stuck in the hole and it's like falling through the hole. Well, they fixed that. So now the new one actually has the smaller hole to where you can put that 25 gram servo in there. And I had to laugh because the photograph that he took uh, on the build thread was exactly the servo that I had sitting in the other room already in my box. But I never went and got it to come out here and realize, oh, this is the servo that would fit until I got the big ones. And, you know, then I went, oh, my gosh, this is not even close. It wouldn't even fit in the hole. I would have to dig out the hole another, you know, two or three (laughs) millimeters to get this one to fit. So. I ran over there and grabbed the other one and figured out that it fit perfectly in this little hole and they did a modification and they, they actually did a couple more mods in their later versions. They added carbon fiber, uh, to the motor box and they added carbon fiber to the battery tray, which was not, which was not included on the very first ones. Um, but I will tell you that I'm impressed with the model. It uh, came with all of the hardware. Uh, the hardware's got, um, you know, the, what do they call those? Yeah, the, the control t- horns and, yeah, control and, horns and the pieces and the- weren't the typical Chinese, skimpy, bendy, crappy, you know, hardware. But they sometimes send you some chinchy stuff for hardware. Right. And this is not like that at all. This is uh, carbon fiber control horns. It's, um, you know, everything is top of the line. I, I was really impressed for the size and the price of the model. Uh, they've done a really good job. So I'm I, I'm happy so far. Uh, hopefully we'll, uh, you know, we'll get it up in the air and, and be happy with it flying too. So I know the yaks have, uh, the yaks have some specific characteristics that people don't like it has a tendency to want to kind of stall or get away from them. And, and the real airplane flew like that too. It was, it was a fun airplane to fly. I liked it. Anyway, it was, uh, it was a good build and, uh, I mean, we're not done with it, but, uh, that was kind of my story on the, um, the monocoat that kind of got me through. And, and this was, uh, what has it been over the last, what, three or four weeks? Yeah. yeah just a yeah. little bit of a time. Actually, it, pretty much, you, I'd say two weeks, two, two and a half weeks. Yeah. It's gone pretty quick, actually. Yeah, it did go pretty quick. I was, I was really shocked. Um, but you know, the wings were really large pieces and they were, you know, once I got them done, that was pretty much you know, half the project right there was just the wings and the ailerons. But I think I have, uh, I have to, all, all the hinge pins are glued in on the one side, on the body side. And then I just have to put the aileron, you know, glue epoxy, the ailerons onto the hinge pins, the rudder onto it and the elevator into it. And then it's just a matter of installing the hardware. So Excellent. Well, hopefully here by the next time we get back, we might have to hear about how it's all complete or maybe even out at the field. Yeah. Well, I hope so. Hopefully we'll have it, um, you know, ready to fly here in another couple of weeks and, you know, we'll see how it goes. We'll enjoy yeah. it. Well, now that it's all done, it's like almost like, uh, do you even want to fly it? I know, right? <laughs> I thought about going and sitting it in the hangar and then just taking a photo of it and saying, what happened? Your yak shrunk. Well, you got to do that. Yeah, you're going to have to do <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, the sure. other guys that were uh, involved in the act with me, I definitely have to take some photos and send it out to them for just nostalgia's sake because um, yeah, everybody loved that thing. It was such a great airplane. So, 
Uh, now it's being used for a new project. I'm sure it'll come out and uh, everybody will be able to see it next year when it hits the air show circuit. But, um, but yeah, it's, um, it's been a fun project so far. I, I've learned a lot. Uh, I have to once again say thanks to you because, um, you know, you're always pushing me into that direction where I can do new things and I always appreciate that. I, I'd, I'd never done Monocoat before and this was an opportunity for me to jump in there and do it. I'm not scared of new things. If I screwed it up, I screwed it up. I can always tear it apart and start over. And, and uh, you know, I can honestly say that by doing this, I think you mentioned something before in one of our other podcasts that this, you know, this art has kind of gone away. It, everything's coming pre, you know, pre-covered already. So unless you just bought a stick bill or, or you bought something you wanted to rip all the covering off, most people are not really you know, covering airplanes anymore. The foam ones, they don't cover at all. No, not at all. Yeah. And, 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 and it's like, uh, we had that big sale. I think I told you about, um, when I was up back in Alaska, we, a guy had, uh, passed on and he left all of his planes, all his, all of his kit planes to us, uh, to the club. And then we basically, uh, did a fundraiser and we sold the kits and, uh, it was stuff way back to the seventies, all the way through, you know, the two thousands. And, at first, everybody came running in there, like, "Wow, look at all these models!" And and they op- they would open them up. And they're they're just like, <laughs> "Hey, somebody stole the model. It's just pieces of wood in here, yeah. you know." And everybody just started laughing because everybody was kind of shocked that came in there. Like, "Well, aren't there any complete models?" And they're like, "No, there there's the models right there, you know." Yeah, here's get the out paper. Some glue, get get out a building board and get to it. And um, but there was, I have to say, there was uh, at that particular sale, there was a lot of uh, older folks that were up there and they were just thrilled to see, you know, pristine, perfect models from, you know, because there was a model, if it was your first model, that guy had it, you know. So it, it was great to see guys grabbing up kits and models that they had when they were kids or whatever. And they were, you know, they were going to go home and put them, you know, they hadn't put a, a model like that together for a long time. They were like, oh boy, it's going to be nice to you know, relearn how to do this stuff or, or, or do it again. So that, that was, it was kind of neat. Yeah. So I, like you said, I think it's an art that's been lost and I, it's nice to see that you got another taste of it and where you could use it. And, you know, some of these other techniques, you can go right on over to the foamies as well. The trim sheets, the tools, True. they could be used in other places. If you want to make something more realistic, it's quite easy. Yeah, As we um I actually wound up getting more items that help out. Um, you know, thanks to the guys down there at Hobby Bench. But Rick <laughs> Rick talked me into getting um a couple of new things. I got a uh rivet yeah, maker. It wasn't too hard, was it? Or, it wasn't no, it's too never hard. hard. <laughs> it's never hard. He just points me in the right direction. Uh it's a rivet maker. It's a template that has rivets and you you know, you put them in there and anyway, it's pretty cool. What what are you going to use that for? The A10. <laughs> oh, brother. Oh, man. You got it bad. I do. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm it's, telling you, though, always- <laughs> I, I I am a firm believer that, you know, if I, if I need something and I'm trying to wing it or, I mean, we, we experienced that down at your place. You know, you didn't have the tools readily available that you normally have no. or in the other room in a box. And, you know, we weren't really looking for them. So we we're trying to improvise and it never works out, you know, and, and you know nope. me, I, I'm a model builder from way back when, I mean, when I was a young kid, I had a room full of testers models. I went to, 
you know, I competed in some of the local fairs and had blue ribbons for some of my stuff. I learned to airbrush at a very young age. So all of that building technique, you know, it all kind of just kind of comes with me. And as I got older and older, things had to be a little more precise. Now I'm not as bad as my buddy, Robert. He's got, you know, lasers and he, he his models are, you know, <laughs> unbelievable. Lasers. Oh yeah. He's, yeah. <laughs> he's got a laser and a, a milling machine. I mean, his stuff is like far exceeds what I do. Right. But, right. Um, you know, I haven't gotten that far yet where I'm actually buying a laser to cut, you know, monocode or whatever it is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've thought about a 3d printer, but you know, it hasn't materialized yet. So, but I, I am, you know, a firm believer in the right tool for the right job. So. All right, anyway. Mike. Well, I'm glad that my gift uh, is bringing you so much joy and uh, heartache all at the same time. Uh, it is. And uh, as long as I have a new skill out of it, I'm okay with it. And uh, I really, really enjoy the airplane. Uh, it's It's been a great build uh, so far, and I'm looking forward to flying it. All right, buddy. Well, fantastic. Yeah. Well, is there anything uh, for our listeners on uh, your neck of the woods or – uh, really, there's nothing uh, going on, too much going on. I, I think, once again, because of the heat, uh, I'm assuming nobody's flying. I know I haven't. Uh, I still can't get my butt up early enough to get out there to, to fly when it's cool. But it's certainly when things break, I'm sure we're going to have a lot a lot more news for you. Oh, good. Well, I know that you have a build coming uh, that you're in the process of doing it. We'll have to right. talk about I, that I, on the next I got, podcast. Like I said, the plane that I got was uh, SU-35 um, from Hobby King. Uh, it's a... Uh, it's a propeller-driven SU-35, even though it's a jet, but it's a mid-body, a mid-bodied one. Um, kind of takes me back to our our beginning days when we, you know, built these little profile foam board, you know, blue core type things. And, sure. And I saw this, and it has a lot more detailed, and seems very similar. And I, I saw it, and I got it, and like I said, I was really impressed at uh, how they put this thing together. So I'm right in the middle of uh, putting it together. So I got Good. bits and pieces all over the all over the my uh, my work not my workbench I have a workbench bed so <laughs> a work bed <laughs> a work bed bench that's well, right it's a bed it's a bench right. it's both well we'll uh, we'll have to uh, make a podcast for that one and then uh, I know that Mike uh, we got to get him back on to hear about his maiden since uh, he's flown it his um, tame cat several times I know that uh, the guy here one of my friends here in our little group uh, Phil. He uh, has finally got his kunai up and running, and so we'll have to uh, get him on the, the horn and talk to him about his airplane experience building the kunai. Excellent. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you uh, sitting through my uh, my build stories, and uh, we hope that uh, you enjoyed uh, hearing it as well. We're always looking for topics of um, interest here on the Park Fire Podcast, and we sure hope you have a great time. If you have built something and want to uh, let us know, Email us at uh, parkfirepodcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, hear from uh, the studios here in Arizona. And the studio here in big old Texas. <laughs> we appreciate listening, and we'll uh, talk to you soon. See ya. You have been listening to the Park Flyer Podcast. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to your next visit. Please give our show a star rating and review. And feel free to email us your questions, topics, or suggestions to parkflyerpodcast at gmail.com. 